Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 12 of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 2022, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'll tell you what, last podcast, we were wrapping up the month of October, moving into November. And I said at the time, if September and October were any indication of what to expect in November, we were in for a treat and man... We'll be right there. Michigan, Ohio State really put a nice close to the month of November. Uh, watching Michigan and Jim Harbaugh finally get that win over Ohio State. Aiden Hutchinson, a dominant performance, a three-sack performance, really elevates his status into that top five. Any question about his game now, he's been able to showcase some speed along with that power, using that length to his advantage. That inside swim move was lethal. Ran over Thayer Munford as well. Definitely a top five candidate. Keep an eye on him. Could potentially go in the top three. Texans sitting there at number two right now. You know, they're gonna look for another JJ Watt. Could Aiden Hutchinson be that guy? We'll have to wait and see and find out there. But it wasn't just on the field that the fireworks at the end of November, right? We saw the coaching carousel really pick up steam. Mel Tucker really was the first domino to fall there with Michigan State, that $96 million contract to stay put there with Sparty in East Lansing. And that really got the other teams looking, what can we do? Lincoln Riley seemed to be happy there at Oklahoma, has now moved to USC, $110 million contract. They're buying out his homes in Norman, $500,000 above what the asking is. He's getting $6 million to buy a home in LA. And he also gets to fly the private jet, really access 24 seven for his family. Just a day later, LSU says, hold our beer. We're gonna go ahead and go after Notre Dame's Brian Kelly. Now look, with Lincoln Riley, they weren't moving on to the college football playoff. They lost in Bedlam to Oklahoma State. But Brian Kelly, Notre Dame is right in the thick of things. They have a chance to go on to the playoff. They're, there's, they're right there. And somehow LSU was able to pry Brian Kelly away. And I'm telling you, when we look at what the actual figures are, because they're going to make that formal announcement, I believe, tomorrow... They're really rolling out the welcome wagon. If you see what Michigan State and USC have, uh, have done, just expect LSU to put something out there that's going to blow our minds as well. So the coaching carousel, it's really crazy, really what to expect. And, and that's one of the things that you look at really with the NFL head coaches. For a long time, it was said that everybody, the destination was the NFL because you don't have to deal with recruiting, you're dealing with the adults. This is the premier professional league. But you got NIL with all of the the, the students now, the, the, the players, they have the NIL endorsements and everything. This is really the big market with college football. You don't have to answer to an owner really at this point as the head coach, especially with the money that they're throwing at these guys right now. You've got really the AD at your beck and call. So... Could there be, there was talk that Cliff Kingsbury could potentially be an option there at OU. You know, could we start seeing some of these coaches decide to move in the other direction from the NFL to the college ranks? You know, that, It's going to be interesting to see what type of dynamic. Do we actually see uh, college head coaches move on to the NFL given what uh, these boosters and these schools are, are looking to offer? 
And so we'll make the segue to the NFL draft now. And I, I think for myself, uh, you know, the last few weeks, you know, I've had some uh, personal matters that I've had to deal with. So I haven't been able to record a podcast uh, over the last few weeks, but uh, I'm dedicated to making sure that I bring uh, quality content each and every week going forward. Uh, so even though I, I wasn't able to record a podcast, I made sure that I was watching as many games as possible and making sure that I'm not missing out on any action. So end of November into December, we're talking about conference championships and bowl games. Who are going to be the guys that we're going to watch in the bowl games? I'll be putting together a bowl special once the bowls have been announced. And I think really the next podcast that I want to, want to put together is really going over some of the sleepers, the guys that are flying under the radar right now, those names that really you want to make sure that you are, uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to see them yet, find some tape on them, make sure that you tune into any of the bowl games as well, because there are some names out there that uh, you know we really should be talking about in that third, fourth, fifth round. That's where a lot of guys, you know, they, they make their money, is really looking at those, those picks end of day two, beginning, middle of day three, you know, you look at the Rams and what they were able to do, even without all the first round picks, you know, just think about it, you know, Cooper Cup, just one example of a, of a third round pick, and you see what he's doing in the NFL now. So we're going to actually take a look at the top players in the draft in this podcast. So we're going to go each position real quick. Who's at the top at each position? Who are the next guys in line after that? And where are they currently expected to come off the board? Look, a lot can change and will change throughout the draft process, especially as we get into 2022. Where do they stand right now? So when we look at the quarterback position, obviously you've got a few guys there at the top. And this is a draft class that's not, you know, it's underwhelming in comparison to past years, right? You know, you're talking about last season really being unprecedented. Five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks. I don't know when we're going to see that happen again. But at the top of my list is Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. 6'1", 205, uh, you know, career 67.5% passer, over 8,000 yards, 57 touchdowns, just 22 interceptions. 14 of those were thrown last year. And look, you know, I've talked about it from day one, that this is a guy that I thought if he could really take the, the pieces from 2020 and eliminate the mistakes, this guy could really be a player, and we've seen that with, with Lane Kiffin. 20 touchdowns, just four interceptions, also able to do it on the ground. Look, you know, career over 1,300 yards on the ground, four yards per carry, 18 touchdowns, including 11 this year. And look, you know, the, the defense struggled at times for Ole Miss, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I think Matt Corral is definitely deserving of, a, a, you know, going to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, but I just don't think that he, he has enough there, especially with Ole Miss losing down the stretch. Um, but this is a guy, you see the, 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 the football acumen. This is a guy who works tirelessly. And the, the game study, you watch him with his eyes. That's one of the things that I love. You know, you saw that against Texas A&M. Eyes staying to the right, keeping the safety towards the middle of the field, snaps the head to the left, balls out, finds uh, Dontario Drummond on a skinny post, puts the ball right out in front of him, allowing the receiver to make the catch in stride. You know, this guy with the ball placement throws his receivers open. Um, I, I really love the ball placement. He changes his arm angles and, and is able to take something off. Uh, you know, so he's not just throwing a fastball. He has that touch as well. You know, to me, Matt Corral is your top guy. He's one of those mobile quarterbacks too. That's really where, where we're going with the game. This is a guy who can, you know, off-platform throws, make all those throws on the run. And, and a guy, when he does 
vacate the pocket. Those eyes still stay down the field, but if nothing's open, he's not afraid to take off and run. And when he does that, he's able to pick up yards in bunches. I'm a big fan of Matt Corral, and he's number one overall for me in terms of the quarterbacks. Where's he going to come off the board? You know, there are enough teams that are looking for a quarterback to where he could slide into the top 10. Um, you know, I think really, you know, you're probably talking about in the, in the teens, maybe even early 20s is where the, the quarterback, this quarterback class should come off the board. Um, but I think he'll probably end up sliding into the top 10 when it's all said and done. Number two on my list is Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. You know, this was a guy who made a great decision coming back to school and look, over 12,000 yards as the quarterback there for the Pitt Panthers, over 4,000 yards this year, just a tad under 68%, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And look, you know, I've been hard on, on some of the comparisons to Joe Burrow. You know, it's like, well, you know, he really, you know, decided he'd come back for one more year there at Pitt, and like Joe Burrow, you know that that final year really blew up, really elevated his game to the next level, and it's not on, really on par with uh, you know, with what Joe Burrow was able to do, obviously in Joe Brady's offense. But you see the you know the level of confidence that he has, especially with his receivers and Jordan Addison, and, I'm sorry, and Jared Wayne, and the, the running back Abanacanda. You know, Melky Soval as well. Um, you know, he's just an intelligent quarterback. Uh, he's an all-time leading passer there at Pitt. Um, and a guy who he, he knows, he takes what the defense gives him. He understands who he is, uh, doesn't try to do too much. Um, you know, the ball placement is excellent. You know, the decision-making as well. And this guy's tough, man. He's going to be a guy that's going to, when things aren't there, he'll pull the ball. And he's, you know, unlike Matt Corral, who's a little bit more shifty, Kenny Pickett's going to try to run you over. He's going to lower his shoulder, and he's going to try to uh, to pick up some of those tough yards. And it, he's really a lot of fun to watch. You watch him on the back shoulders, puts the ball right where only his receiver can make a play. Uh, you watch him on uh, you know, Jordan Addison time and time again on, on post, puts the ball right over the shoulder, allowing him to uh, make the catch, not have to break stride, and, and take off as well. Um, you watch the, the ball, ball placement again. Um, you know, and really being able to fit the ball into a tight window. Those are the things that you're looking for as a quarterback. Anybody can sit there and throw it, throw it to a wide open receiver on a go route. But can you throw a guy open? Can you fit the ball into a tight window where only your guy can make a play? Kenny Pickett does it better than just about anybody in this draft class. Number three on the list is going to be um, Malik Willis. Now, I think Malik Willis may get drafted ahead of, of Kenny Pickett. And I think really it's be more because of the traits. You look at Malik Willis, and this is a guy who has tremendous arm strength, just a flick of the wrist, and the ball just flies off of his hands 50, 60 yards down the field, effortless with the delivery, right? The problem is, is you watch the footwork. Footwork isn't always there. You know, he tries to, to really aim the ball more so than trying to really throw it. That gets him into trouble as well. And look, you know, just a two-year starter there at Liberty, um, just under 5,000 yards passing, 45 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, has 12 interceptions this year. Really kind of struggled at times with some of his accuracy and uh, got himself into trouble a little bit there. Um, but definitely dynamic as a runner. And I think that's what makes everything so exciting about him. Over 2,000 yards on the ground in his career. 1,764 yards at Liberty with 25 touchdowns. 5.3 yards per carry uh, for the Flames. And I look at Malik Willis, to me, I think he'd be a low, maybe a low first rounder, maybe early second round. Uh, but I, I do think that when you're talking about so many teams that are looking for quarterbacks right now, you know, you're talking about Detroit possibly with, with Jared Goff. You're, you're talking about 
uh, the Houston Texans, what's going on with Deshaun Watson, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be happy with, with uh, Mason Rudolph. They're going to need a quarterback. Washington, Taylor Heineke, are you happy there? Um, you know, I, I think you're going to need to get another quarterback in there. Even if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back, he's really your stopgap QB. Carolina, is Cam Newton going to be your long-term answer? We know that Sam Darnold isn't. I think the Panthers start thinking about a quarterback. And what about the Giants? Daniel Jones. It's one of those things to where Daniel Jones may not be the answer in New York either. So a lot of teams that have to be looking at, at that quarterback position. Also, what happens with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers? Are they going to be on those on those rosters? Where did they go? That could influence uh, you know where um, you know, teams may end up needing needing quarterbacks. You know, what happens with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater there in Denver? Are any either of them really the answer? For, for the Broncos, I think, you know, again, a lot of teams are going to have to make a decision. Even the Saints, Jameis Winston, the knee injury. Um, you know, Taysom Hill really has that, that unique contract of his, but he's not going to be the quarterback. He's not going to be that franchise quarterback. They're going to you know, utilize him uh, in, in a lot of different ways, but I just don't see him being that starter. Um, so if Jameis Winston, if there are any concerns about that knee, the Saints could end up jumping into the mix as well. So with all those teams, you know you're going to have at least three quarterbacks taken. And uh, I think with Malik Willis, I think the, the athleticism, the traits, the, the higher ceiling is going to end up putting him into conversation, probably in the teens and maybe the early 20s. Um, you know, I, I think Kenny Pickett, though, Kenny Pickett is going to be more NFL-ready right now. And so I, I think some of those teams that uh, maybe it, it's a Pittsburgh that uh, keeps the kid in state and uh you know I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me you know just a kid who you know, he's a blue collar type of kid blue collar type of city you know it just seems like a natural fit um you know depending on where pittsburgh is on the board you know there's there may be teams that decide to trade back into round number one we've seen teams do that we saw the ravens sneak into the end of round one take lamar jackson just a few years ago so those are the quarterbacks there after that i think you're probably going to see sam howell out of North Carolina, and uh, Carson Strong from Nevada. Those are probably the next two quarterbacks, um, probably right there in the early second round range. Um, you know, if there's really a talk with the quarterbacks, you may see another one of those guys pop into round one. There's a possibility, but I just don't see there being five quarterbacks taken in round one at this point. Um, you know, Carson Strong, um, just the mobility, the lack of mobility is really concerning. And Sam Howell, just the decision making. You know, this is a guy who has a tremendous arm to make all the throws, um, the athleticism as well. You know, he's uh, over 700 yards on the ground, has I, I think 300 yard games. Uh, so really a guy who could be a playmaker on the outside. Uh, but I, I think there's just too many question marks in his game for me to take him in first uh, in the first 32 picks. Moving on to the running back position, and we don't have a first-round running back. And really, the debate's going to be between Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. And Kenneth Walker right now, I think, has the edge. The 5'10", 210-pounder, the transfer from Wake Forest, has more yards at Michigan State in one season with 1,646 than he did in his two years there at Wake Forest. Uh, you know, 18 touchdowns as well, 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, not really asked to catch the football out of the backfield very often. Um, so I think that's one of the things that you want to watch with him catching the football uh, in some of the workouts. Look, you know, you can't knock Jonathan Taylor and, and some of these other guys. Uh, once they get to the league, they're showing off their hands. So really, you just just because they weren't used in the offense in the passing game doesn't mean they can't catch the football. 
So with Kenneth Walker, what you really have here is, is a physical runner, physical presence, but a guy who also has that home run speed. And what I love about him is he's patient, he has a tremendous vision, and, and his ability to, to hit those cutback lanes. And once he does that, uh, the, the contact balance is ridiculous. He just runs through contact, more contact, you know, yards after contact than any other running back this season. And so I think with Kenneth Walker, what you're looking at is the guy who's going to come off the board in round number two. I think really what you know the question is is he burst onto the scene there at Michigan State. Was it really you know a product of of, of the system? What's going on there? Why wasn't he as successful there at Wake Forest? I think teams are going to kind of study the film a little bit, do some homework with 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 Kenneth Walker. Uh, but I think he's definitely a guy. Um, you know, that we're going to see come off the board early day two. Look, Jonathan Taylor was a second-round pick, and you see what he's doing there for Indy. I think Kenneth Walker will be just fine. And then Brees Hall, look, you know, sixth in the highest in voting in 2020 there for the Iowa State Cyclones, over 1,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, 23 receptions on the year. Comes back 2021, and Iowa State, look, you know, they have the five losses. They, they are struggling a little bit. But uh, again, he's, he's going to eclipse you know, 1,500 yards again after the bowl game, uh, 5.8 yards per carry, 20 touchdowns, and, and then 36 receptions. Now, I, I, I don't know if, if you were able to catch him in uh, one of his recent games, but he made this one-handed catch that was absolutely ridiculous. So any questions about him catching the football, you know, there are no questions because we see it time and time again and that's one of the things that I think is so impressive about him is you know he's one of those guys that can do a little bit of everything he can step up and protect Brock Purdy when he needs to uh, you see the uh, the lateral cuts to be able to bounce the football outside the vision um, decisiveness to, to hit the hole and get downhill in a hurry you don't see a ton of wiggle but he'll, he'll do enough to avoid uh, defenders, but look, he runs through contact. Another guy with those missed tackles, the lower body pan, uh, lower body strength, and that powerful leg drive as well. Just running through guys, and uh, you know the vision. You know against Baylor, he's bottled up behind the line of scrimmage, puts his foot in the ground, reverses uh, field there at the line of scrimmage, gets back up into the outside, even just for a four-yard gain. He didn't panic. He has the vision. He, he sees daylight. And he's able to get there in a hurry. So I, I really am a fan of Brees Hall. I think he's your number two running back so far in this draft class. Um, after that, you're, you're talking about um, you know, Kyron Williams there out of Notre Dame. Another guy who has tremendous hands, the versatility. This is a guy who definitely is a home run threat. Uh, tremendous receiver. And then Isaiah Spiller there out of Texas A&M. He's a big physical running back a physical presence especially between the tackles and uh you know a guy who likes to bounce it you know, bounce it to the outside i don't think he has the home run speed maybe that kyron williams has um but definitely a guy who uh, when you're asked asking him to run the football between the tackles definitely physical back-to-back thousand yard seasons he would have had three uh but he just came up 54 yards short as a freshman in 2019 and uh, when you look at the receptions, look, 74 receptions out of the backfield, uh, just 7.9 yards per reception, but still you know, a guy that was utilized in the passing game, a uh, very natural pass catcher as well. And when you talk about the, you know, the, the, the running game there at Texas A&M, he shares the backfield a little bit with uh, Devin Shane and uh, Anias Smith. Uh, a little bit as well. So there's not quite as much wear there with his legs, and he's used to sharing the backfield, sharing the load. So I think the transition to the next level, you know, we don't have to worry about that too much. When we talk about the receiver position, and we transition there, um, obviously the conversation, you know, 
we had teammates from Alabama the last couple of drafts. We saw Jerry Judy and uh, and, and Henry Ruggs. You know, we see Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith. Now we have Ohio State with two guys and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And, and I'll tell you what, Garrett Wilson right now to me is the is the guy. He's the number one wideout in this year's draft. This is a guy, um, you know, is just so tremendous getting separation vertically. Um, can really, you know, put, uh, put pressure on that cornerback and uh, does a great job with those routes, stacking the, the receiver. Um, when you watch him, uh, doesn't run a ton of uh, routes in the route tree necessarily, but definitely a guy who, uh, when he looks to separate with his routes, he's going to put his foot in the ground, sink those hips, and is explosive coming out of those breaks. Um, the body control is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, a guy who's going to, uh, you know, when he gets up in the air, he's going to do whatever he can come down with the football, contorts his body, uh, making those excellent you know, catches. And the thing with it too is, is he does a great job extending those arms and making the catch away from his body. Um, you're really not going to see anyone uh, get a hand in to make a play on the football. Um, you know, and, and you look at you know, like the game against Michigan State. You know, at the 15-yard line, drives that defensive back, quick hard sell to the outside, then a jab and a head fake, crosses the face of the DB, and into the end zone. Ball is right on him there by C.J. Stroud for a 15-yard touchdown. So the suddenness is one of the things that you just absolutely love. Um, you know, he wins off the line on this crossing route against Michigan, uh, makes the catch, then really difficult to bring down in the open field on one play. Then he goes in, drives Vin, uh, Vincent Gray up the field, past the sticks, opens up to the inside to haul in the pass thrown on the outside, away from the corner. Um, just what I love, you know, throttling down, working back down the stem to the quarterback um, and going down and getting the football. So he's a guy who's willing to do the dirty work uh, in addition to being a playmaker and a high riser down the field. Um, Garrett Wilson, six foot, 192 pounds. He's going to be the, the number one wide out in this year's draft class. And then after that, it's really kind of pick your poison. Um, you know, I think Jamison Williams right now is a guy who is really picking up steam. And this is a guy who's, you know, he uses those long limbs to his advantage, you know, those levers to, to get separation from some of the defensive backs. That's one of the things that you really, really like to see from him. But this is a guy who just continues to get vertical on guys. You know, and when you look at the Alabama receivers, that's one of the things that, that they, you always are talking about is guys getting vertical. And uh, you saw that with Jerry Judy. You saw that with Henry Ruggs. You saw that with Jalen Waddell. You saw that with, with Devontae Smith. And now the same thing with Jamison Williams. And that's the thing that I, I think is so impressive with him is the ability to to get vertical, driving, the, driving his man you know, off the ball, and then showing those, those double moves. And being able to set up his man, and uh, you know, at that stem, you know, really just a quick jab uh, to the inside or out, really getting his man to open those hips, and then he he's got him. Once once the, the the DB opens those hips, he's able to then change that speed and get down the field. Um, against LSU, ran right by Cameron Lewis from the slot, wasn't rerouted, plants, cuts to the inside on the post. And, of course, Bryce Young, one of the guys who just does a tremendous job putting the ball on his receiver, um, able to haul it in without breaking stride for a 58-yard touchdown. You know, that was his 10th catch of 20-plus yards. Um, and a guy, look, you know, then you know against Arkansas, gets vertical behind two defensive backs on a post down the middle of the field, uh, catches the ball in stride over his shoulder for a 79-yard touchdown. That game 
Uh, again, just going off, you know, 32-yard touchdown, two steps, a stutter, and then cut to the inside after winning at the line of scrimmage, makes that catch on the slant, runs away from Ladarius Bishop, the corner for that 32-yard score. Uh, you know, a guy who can get open at the line of scrimmage, a guy that can push the field vertically. That speed you can't teach, especially for a guy 6'1", 189, with those long arms. I think Jamison Williams is a guy that, at the end of the day, is going to be uh, the number two wide receiver coming off the board. So either of those guys, are they for, uh, are they top 10 picks? I don't see either of these guys really being that difference maker that I'm going to take in the top, you know, the, the top 10. But when you're talking getting into the teens and 20s, we've got as many as six, seven guys that can come off the board in round number one. After these two, I mentioned Garrett Wilson, you had a teammate, uh, and Chris Olave is definitely going to be that guy um, who's going to be in the mix to be that number three receiver. And what you love about Chris Olave is just how smooth he is. He and Garrett Wilson both, but Chris Olave is just so smooth. He excels at coming back to the football on comebacks. He's so smooth being able to, you know, to sink those hips and drive back uh, down the stem and, and being presentable to, to the quarterback to make a play, bailing out his, his quarterback whenever he needs to. Um, tremendous hands, the body control along the sideline. Some people think that his footwork's a little sloppy, and I'm really kind of surprised when I hear that because this is a guy who I think is so smooth in and out of his breaks. He makes it look easy. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he just makes it look so easy, easy and so smooth coming out of those breaks. He's still getting open. So, you know, if the footwork's sloppy, then really, you know, I don't know how he's, you know, if he gets that cleaned up, you know, in your eyes, then he's that much more dynamic of a receiver, I, I guess. I, I, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but, you know, Chris Olave, maybe not quite the uh, the, the sudden threat that, that Garrett Wilson is, uh, but definitely a guy who has that footwork along the sideline, is going to be a guy that's going to do everything that you need. He's not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, you see him with those, those releases coming off the line, and I think that's what makes uh, these three receivers so deadly and so lethal is their ability with those releases off the line. They use a variety of different releases. You'll see a stutter, you'll see these jabs, uh, you know, and a variety of those moves coming off the line. And so I think that's one of the things that you really have to keep an eye out for with, with Chris Olave for sure. Um, now you get to the big receivers. And Traylon Burks out of Arkansas and Drake London from USC. Now with, with Trayvon Burks, I think he's more of the vertical threat. And what I mean by that, this is a guy, you know, he's about 18 yards per reception down the football field and a guy who just you know against Missouri the last game that they played split the safeties getting vertical down the field on the skinny post track the ball over his shoulder uh, does a great job using that 6'3 225 pound frame uh, to wall off defenders as well uh, against Alabama um, you know, vertical up the sideline with Josh Job. Good coverage was even with him. Able to box Josh Job out on this back shoulder throw. Hauls it in for a 33-yard gain. He wins those 50-50 balls. Just a great job, um, you know, utilizing that big body to his advantage. And then that body control, bending to the inside um, on some of these throws. And you'll see him eating up the cushion down the sideline, over the top against some of the corners. And uh, so he's he's a ver versatile wide receiver. Uh, he's one of those guys to where um, you know you get excited watching him play 
Um, you know, is he an Anquan Bolden type receiver? You know, that's one of the things that you really have to start asking yourself uh, when you watch uh, Traylon Burks is, is what type of receiver is he? Um, you know, he, he's a little bit faster, I think, than, than Anquan Bolden, but he definitely has that similar size. And then with Drake London, you know, I, I've heard Carson Palmer compare Drake London to um, Calvin Megatron Johnson. And I just don't see that, that he's quite there in terms of, I mean, obviously that's high praise for a, a pro football uh, you know, Hall of Famer, but I, I get what he's trying to say. With Drake London, what you have is a big physical freak. He's 6'5", 210 pounds, a guy who just attacks the football in the air. What I love about Drake London is everybody talks about the fact that he was a former basketball player, played for the USC basketball team. What you see, though, is he left basketball to focus full-time on football. This is his first year just playing football and his ability to just take over games. Defenses knew what USC was going to do. They, they, they had to uh, because really what was happening was whether it was Keaton Slovis or Jackson Dart, they were throwing the football to Drake London and you'd see double-digit um, targets double-digit receptions, over 100 yards every single game, and uh, they couldn't stop it. You know, it was one of those things to where you knew that he was getting the football, and yet he couldn't, he just couldn't stop the guy. Through eight games, 88 catches, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, before he broke his ankle there against, uh, against Arizona. And I'll tell you, you know, you watch him, and he's not just a big physical guy. I hear people talk about, well, maybe he's just an Alshon Jeffrey um, you know, a guy who's just going to high point football down the field, or maybe he's just a J.J. Arcega Whiteside, you know, a guy that's just going to get vertical. Look, he's not going to run the, the 40 time that J.J. Arcega Whiteside posted. You know, what you have with Drake London to me is more of a Mike Evans, and, and what I what I mean by that is this is a guy who, even though you know teams knew where they were going to go with the football, they knew that te- that uh, A&M was going to target Mike Evans, that uh, Johnny Manziel was going to get him the football. It didn't matter because Mike Evans was still coming down with the football. Even when Johnny Manziel would just throw the football up, Mike Evans was coming down with the football. Now, look, Mike Evans ran a 4-5-3 at the combine. I think that's about what Drake London's going to run. I think he's going to run in that 4-5-3 range. Um, does that mean that he's going to be one of the first receivers taken? I think he'll probably end up coming off the board somewhere in the 20s, to be perfectly honest with you. you know, what's going to be interesting is with Lincoln Riley showing up at USC, does he think about coming back for one more year? You know, he had 1,000 yards through eight games and breaks his ankle. Now, you know, obviously there's no guarantee. You know, he's basically a first-round pick as it is, but he's got to battle a lot of other receivers. In the first year in the Lincoln Riley run offense, uh, it's going to be awfully tempting for him. But look, he has nothing, nothing left to prove. You know, he's a guy that I think could definitely, uh, you know, be a first-round pick. And the route running is one of those things that I think, you know, he's still working on it. But you see the, the nuance with, with the route running. You know, his ability to, to, to throttle down, and for a guy his size, 6'5", 210, 215, being able to throttle down and get in and out of his breaks, you don't really see. Uh, any of that stiffness, you don't see him really struggle to come out of those breaks. He's very smooth, very fluid as a receiver. Um, and so that's one of the things that really has me excited about Drake London at the next level. Uh, and then you have Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, there may not be a, a more shifty and explosive receiver coming off the line than Jahan Dotson. Um, a weapon there at Penn State, 5'11", 184 pounds, 91 catches, over 1,100 yards, and 12 touchdowns. A vertical threat, a guy who plays bigger than his size, um, you know, a guy that's going to want to go up 
in the high point of football, very sudden coming in and out of his breaks. This is a guy who you know is uh, going to really juke you out. You know, when you're in the open field, what's I worry about him is is just 184 pounds, and it, you already see him start to get rerouted. You see him getting pushed off of his line, and uh, you know, get you get physical with him, and he struggles at, at times. You know, it makes me worry if maybe he's a Jalen Rager more so uh, than, than a Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, even though he was very slight, that dude was still able to to get open and make plays. And so that's really the thing when you look at Jahan Dotson, what's going to happen there? You know, that, that's really going to be the big question. Then John Mechie really has stepped up and elevated his game. I thought that he's mostly a vertical threat. You know, he's really surprised me. Um, he's the guy who could sneak into round number one. Uh, and then after that, you've got a lot of other receivers that are very talented. Uh, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama is a guy to keep an eye on. When we talk about sleepers, he's definitely a guy that you're going to want to watch out for. Uh, so moving on to the tight ends. Uh, and when we talk about tight ends, I, I think the conversation has to start with Trey McBride uh, out of Colorado State. This is a guy who decided to come back um, you know, for the Rams, for a senior season, 6'4", 260 pounds, and this guy, you know, he's he is their offense. Like Drake London with USC, uh, Trey McBride is the offense there at Colorado State. 86 catches, over a thousand yards on the year. Uh, a versatile weapon, a guy that you're going to put line up all over the field, whether he's in line, in the slot, on the outside. He uses his big body to his uh, to his advantage. He's going to be a weapon uh, without breaking routes, in breaking routes, up the seam, and then as an inline blocker. You see the physicality with which he plays. He's the most complete tight end in this draft. Is he going to be a first rounder? Could he sneak in um, you know, into the first round like Hayden Hurst did? We'll see what he runs at the combine. There's a chance that he could sneak into round one, but I, I think there are too many guys uh, that are really clamoring for that first round slot. I think it'll probably be um, you know, an early day two pick, but I definitely am a big fan of Trey McBride. After that is Jalen Weidermeyer. And really with, with, with Weidermeyer, um, he's not as smooth of an athlete, um, but it definitely has tremendous size, 6'5", 255 pounds, um, you know, pretty consistent in terms of his production there with the Aggies, um, over 1,400 yards and 16 touchdowns through the air, uses that big body, um, has a, a really a large catch radius, uh, not as good of a blocker, not as polished as, as Trey McBride, but definitely a guy who I think is going to come off the board in round two. And then after that, there are a lot of other guys that uh, we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, I, I think one of the guys that is going to be polarizing is Jaleel Billingsley. A lot of people really like him. They have him as a third round grade. To me, Yes, the traits are there. He's very athletic, but I think he's a little undersized at the tight end position. He struggles with his blocking. Um, you know, we'll get into more depth as we go with him. You know, six four, two thirty. I think he. You know, if, if I were to look at Jale, uh, Jaleel Billingsley, I'm probably talking about you know the fourth round range. Um, you know, I, I like Cole Turner out of out of Nevada, six five, two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, you know, the junior, excellent size. Another guy who plays you know uh, up above the rim. Uh, if you will, but you watch a couple of the games, and this is a guy who has tremendously strong hands. Um, he'll box guys out. And you'll see him extend for the football and, and just make these hands catches away from defenders. It's absolutely ridiculous. Isaiah Likely out of uh, Coastal Carolina. I want to see what he runs in the 40. He's one of those guys who definitely uh, will, will, will catch your eye. Cade Otten out of Washington. He struggled a little bit this year. The Huskies really getting anything going, but he's one of the more complete tight ends in this year's draft, uh, along with Jeremy Ruckert. Um, you know, really a, a pass catcher there for, for Ohio State. 
Um, I think everyone thinks he's known for his blocking, but he actually has tremendous hands. And then Charlie Kohler out of uh, Iowa State. You know, he's, he's a bigger guy, 6'6", 257, but definitely a guy who, who has tremendous hands. Those are all guys who we could see come off the board on day two, likely a day three guy. You know, Some of those guys will be day three, um, but we'll get into those conversations a little while later. We get into the offensive line and uh, the offensive tackle. Number one offensive tackle has to be Evan Neal, 6'7", 340 pounds. Uh, he's actually lost about 20 pounds and uh, you know a physical freak very athletic a guy that you know when you look at Jacksonville and uh, they top five pick they're gonna need an offensive lineman to protect their investment in Trevor Lawrence and I think it, you know if, if Kim Robinson stays on the roster you kick him inside the guard on that left side you've improved the left side of that line by adding just one player with uh, Evan Neal and Cam Robinson, two Alabama Crimson Tide offensive tackles playing on the left side of that line there, protecting a Clemson quarterback, go figure. But what you love about Evan Neal is he's so physical and powerful in the running game. And just a guy who just blows guys up. You watch him cave in uh, the left side of the line, uses his long arms, those long limbs to his advantage, really keeps the defensive ends at bay, especially in the past um, in the passing game, when you watch him as a pass protector, that kick slide, you know, gets gets good depth. Very nice knee bender for a guy his size as well. And uh, you watch him with those hands. Uh, the, the punch is absolutely there. Very consistent. Keeps those hands inside. Uh, there are a lot of uh, tackles in this draft who uh, you know those hands kind of creep a little bit. Uh, but he's one of those guys who definitely keeps them inside and really locks on. Um, I, I think you know. Jacksonville feels like the right pick for, for Evan Neal at this point. Uh, you look at Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I think he's number two, 6'5", 310, the redshirt sophomore. This is a guy, as a freshman, you saw him as a pass protector. Really light on his feet, moved very well. But, uh, you know, he's in the Mike Leach off, you know, offense. So you wonder, is he another you know, Andre Dillard? Is he going to be able to, uh, to block in the running game? You know, I think that's one of the things that you definitely see. I watched him play against Mississippi, and he struggled a little bit with Sam Williams, especially with some of these counter moves back to the inside. And you know, he overset a little bit at times, trying to really uh, get out on those those kick slides. And uh, Sam Williams would ultimately beat him back to the inside. That change of direction was a little bit of a step slow, uh, and so you, you saw him getting beat inside at times. But uh, when he was ready for it, and he wasn't really you know a- anticipating where uh, Williams was going to be, you know, was going to be going, um, and he kept a little bit more balance to himself, then he was able to make those quick chains of direction and slide and get in front of him, you know, and so he's not taking quite as, uh, as deep a step or anything like that. He's able to then make those quick moves, and, uh, you know, I think Charles Cross, very athletic guy. Uh, you just worry about him, at, you know, how physical can he really be um, you, know, you want to see him be a, a consistent finisher, and that's one of the things that we just haven't seen a whole lot of. So you know, I said he was number two, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make the move with uh, with Ikeni uh, there out of NC State. 6'3", 325 pounds. The junior, look, you know, we were talking about him as a guard, and if you go to my website right now, readyforthedraft.com, you'll see that I have Ikeni Kwonu as a guard. And it's one of those things, you talk about the lack of overall length, Really, at the end of the day, you look at, uh, at what Rashawn Slater did with the Chargers. And, you know, undersized, is he going to be a guard? Where is he going to play? At the end of the day, the footwork was there. The physicality was there. You saw what he did against Chase Young. He's absolutely left tackle. And the Chargers don't have to worry about the left side, the blind side of Justin Herbert for over a decade because they have their guy. 
You look at Ike Mbonu, he's another Rashawn Williams, look, or Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater fell all the way to 13 to the Chargers, right? Ike Mbonu is not coming off the board outside of the top 10 because of what Rashawn Slater did. You know, this is another guy, he's so fluid with his movements, he's explosive, um, you know, and then he's just so nasty. 63 pancake blocks so far this year, just one sack allowed. Um, you know, I think over 150 pancakes in his career. Uh, it, it, this, he's just so athletic. He moves so well laterally. Even if he gets beaten, you, you see that he has that feet to re, the feet to recover uh, and the hands. He's so violent. He's nasty. He's always always finishing. Always looking for that that next block. Um, you know, if he's out in space watch out he's gonna tee off on you as well so he's definitely a guy to me when i look at him i get so excited watching uh Ikonu play um definitely a fun guy to watch um nicholas petit ferrer out of ohio state is another guy 6'5, 304 pounds keep an eye out for him he's one of those guys you know i thought you know up and down season at times there were times where he looked dominant uh, michigan game you know he struggled especially with uh having to deal with uh, aiden hutchinson um, he'd overset at times, get beaten to the inside. Um, you know, he'd lose some of the hand battles as well. But when you watch them in, in a lot of the other games, you know, especially against uh, you know, George Karloftis, uh, the Purdue game, able to anchor on the edge, really dig in and, and really stoned him. I think really what makes me nervous about Petit Ferrer right now at, at this stage in the game is those double moves. Um, Arnold Ebiketti, you know, working to the outside and then ultimately crosses and gets back to the inside. Um, you, you watch with, with Petit Ferrer against him and, um, you know, the kick slide was really shallow. Um, Arnold uh, lined up at, at that wide nine technique. Second step was wide and then had this wide base and Ebiketti goes for this inside move. He was slow to recover because he had such a wide base to himself then having to try to plant and, and slide, and he just wasn't able to do that. Was left lunging and leaning. Uh, you know, you didn't see those short, short, choppy steps that you'd like to see from an offensive tackle. And uh, so that's one of the things that I really worry about with him is is, is he going to have um, you know that, that footwork there in the passing game? You watch him with the physicality um, in, in the running game. Um, you see some of that, but it's just not consistent enough for me to really put him into that upper echelon. I think really the guy that uh, you want to put up there is that Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, 6'7", 321 pounds. You want to talk about a guy who's physical, a guy who's going to get nasty. Uh, Penning's absolutely going to be that guy. Is he going to be a left tackle at the next level? You know, I'm not so sure, but you see the success of Spencer Brown there with the Bills, and I'm telling you, Trevor Penning, because of, uh, of that success, he's similar with, with Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown, really an athletic freak. Uh, Trevor Penning is the guy who's going to continue to move up draft boards throughout the draft process. If you get a chance to watch any Northern Iowa tape, tune in, watch Trevor Penning. You'll enjoy what you're watching. You kick inside to guard. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Look, this guy's played all over the line for the Aggies, from the left side, uh, you know, the line of tackle to right side tackle. Um, you know, played inside a guard as well. 6'3", 325. He doesn't have the foot speed uh, to really keep up on the outside. What you really love about him is the physicality with which he plays. Um, really a nasty, nasty dude. Um, you know, and I think in the short area bursts, you know, he, he really does a really good job. Uh, walling off some of his defenders, the hand placement right underneath. Uh, you definitely love to see that as well. And he plays to the whistle. You know, I, I think of uh, Elijah Vera Tucker at a USC. 
a guy who played tackle, did a, a decent job. Really, his home is at guard, and it really kind of solidified that a talk that, hey, he's going to be a guard at the next level. Um, and you look at where, where uh, AVT came off the board. It was number 14 overall to the Jets. I think that's right around the range where we're going to see Kenyon Green come off the board. After him, uh, you know, you look at Jamari Sawyer out of Georgia, very big physical left tackle. He's a nasty dude. And then Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, 6'5", 345. Reminds me a lot of Cody Ford uh, coming out of Oklahoma. Not really a whole lot of buzz on this guy. But I think, you know, he definitely has a chance to be a second-round pick because of that nastiness, that physicality. Then you look at Sean Ryan out of UCLA, 6'5", 320, uh, excellent hands, pretty decent uh, movement skills as well. Uh, you know, could he play the, the tackle position? I worry about him versus the speed. If you kick him inside to guard, I think he definitely has some Pro Bowl potential. I think that's really what that, that ceiling is going to be for him. Um, and then uh, we move on to the center position and really the pivot, Tyler Linderbaum, um, you know, is going to be the Remington Award winner. Um, you know, 6'2", 289 out of Iowa. You see the, the movement skills, the reach blocks, the, the ability to climb to the second level. Uh, you know, he's an Iowa uh, offensive lineman, so you know that you're going to get the physicality out of him as well. Um, definitely a guy, the lateral quickness, uh, you know, the pulling, his ability to get all the way to the edge to get a block on a defensive end. Uh, keeps going down the sideline, gets into the second level to the linebacker as well. Um, he was a Remington finalist last year, first team all Big Ten, All-American. Started as a defensive lineman uh, at Iowa in 2018. Um, really a, a tremendous athlete in high school. Um, you know, in 2017, took on Tristan Wirfs as a wrestler. Uh, you know, and Wirfs got him the first two times, but he was able to drive him down for the pin. Um, you know, in the in their third du uh, duel. Um, Definitely a, a fun guy because you know he's just so athletic, and when you look at him, he's definitely going to be the next center coming off the board in round number one. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm pretty confident about that. We were expecting somebody, whether it was Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson, uh, to come off the board in round one. Didn't see that happen. They came off the board day two, but I think there's uh, Linderbaum's pretty much a lock to come off the board in round number one. So now it's time to transition to the defensive side of the football. When we're talking about the defensive end position, I think the conversation has to start with Kayvon Thibodeau. They're out of Oregon, 6'5", 258 pounds. This is a guy who wins with speed. You'll see him win with power to the inside, to the outside. Pretty fundamentally sound guy. Motor's always running on every play. You know, whether it's a run play or a pass play, he doesn't care. He's going to go after the football. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about the lack of pass rush moves, but you'll see him um, utilize some of that power. He's very has very heavy hands. He's going to look to try to strike you and uh, and drive you back. I uh, saw that in that Utah game. Heavy-handed, delivers this huge strike to the tight end, Dalton Kincaid, on the run play. Uh, gets back to the inside after he drove the tight end off backward and dropped the running back uh, you know, for just a three-yard gain. Um, that's one of the things that you really love to see um, you know, against Washington. Fought through the, the, the block of, of the tight end, Kate Otten, uh, to the back to the inside, then bends it to the outside and able to drop the running back for only a gain of one yard. So you see that, you know, see that ability to, to bend even in the running game. Um, but, you know, so explosive coming off the edge. Um, so, so explosive. You see the ankle flexion. You see the ability to, to dip those hips and bend coming off the edge flips those hips in a hurry before he's really getting to that corner those hips are already turned and really that defensive end what's he going to do um, really doesn't have a whole lot that he can do um, battled some injuries this year you know got injured in that fresno state game but look before he got injured had a strip sack really made a difference there uh, in that close fought game um, you know only beat 
Fresno State by seven, and, and really before he got injured, you know, he made a, a tremendous impact on that game. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get fooled a few times on on some of the zone reads. Um, needs to really, uh, you know, trust those eyes. But uh, you know, the if you think he's a finesse guy, just a speed rusher coming off the edge, you're, you're mistaken. The speed, the power, you saw that in in, in the Washington game um, against the left tackle Jackson Kirkland, uh, able to, to drive him back. And then uh, you know, back into the backfield, you saw that time and time again. Um, heavy-handed to, to really get Kirkland off balance. Kirkland's really top-heavy. You know, he, he lacks that lower body strength, so he's really able to get him off balance with some of these really heavy-handed strikes. Um, you know, so you know, really want to see him. You know, not only attack to the outside, but also try to look to win on, on the inside as well. Get those spin moves. Uh, a lot of the up and unders and things like that. Really want to see him take advantage you know, more of that at the next level. Um, definitely a physical freak and a guy who, you know, if I'm the Lions, you've been struggling to get any type of pass rush going. This is going to be your guy that you can really turn loose coming off the edge. I mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, and look, you know, he set the Michigan record for the most sacks in uh, in a season with 13 after posting three. Uh, against Ohio State, and look, he's not done yet. Michigan is going on to the Big Ten Championship, taking on Wisconsin, um, you know, and then obviously they'll have the bowl game as well. Um, but look, you know, the speed, the power, you know, driving you know, his man back into the backfield, engages with his hands into the the right tackle, and it takes that inside pass to the quarterback to disrupt. I've heard people talk about him not being overly powerful. And, you know, to me, I, I see him driving guys back time and time again. Does he lock out his hips on every single rep? Maybe not. But, but I'll tell you, you know, this guy, you know, the, the way that he plays, you know, the, the passion with which he plays, the, the fiery nature, um, you know, a, a guy who's always working, trying to get to the quarterback, using those hands. Um, you see him extending those arms into uh, the tackle. That's what you saw him, you know, with him against uh, Petit Ferrer. Extended those arms in and able to rip through, get off that block, flatten out, turn the corner, and get a hit on the quarterback, even if uh, you know, he's not actually sacking the quarterback, he's making those plays. Uh, then he, he has P- Petit Ferrer thinking, oversets, quick bursts to the inside, chase down the, down the quarterback there as well. So you know, that physicality with his hands, you know, the intelligence to be able to see his man set up to the outside and fire to the inside, the hand usage, is he on the level of, of Joey Bosa? Probably not. And, you know, you remember Joey Bosa was taking number three overall. Nick Bosa, uh, they're uh, number two overall to the, the, to the 49ers. Uh, you know, the hands, so explosive with the two of them. Is Aiden Hutchinson on par with them in terms of the hand usage? Maybe not quite. Um, but look, he's still a physical freak. Uh, could he run in the four sixes? It's entirely possible. I see some J.J. Watt in him, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. I've heard some people, I, I saw one... Uh, um, you know, draft Nick online, uh, talk about him as potentially an Emmanuel Ogba, you know, productive at, at the collegiate level, but can he really be explosive and be a guy at the next level? Uh, look, you know, people talk about David Ojabo being another, uh, you know, Adafi Owe, you know, they were high school teammates. Uh, he has 10 sacks, but also 12 and a half total tackles for loss. Can he really play the run? That's the big question that I have for him. When you look at Hutchinson, for me, I think you know he's not going to be a, a an AJ Epinesa, you know, who, who really just gets by with his power. You know, I, I think Hutchinson he's not as explosive as some of these other guys, and I think that's where everyone talks about those guys have the higher ceiling because they have the traits that that Aiden Hutchinson doesn't. 
But uh, you know, there I, I think while there are guys that could be faster than him, when you look at the, the passion with which he plays, uh, you know, the technique um, that, that he plays with, the, the hand usage, um, this is a guy to me. Uh, you know. He, he can play violently when you need him to, and I, I'm looking at Aiden Hutchinson as a guy who's not getting out of the top five. He's just not. And I think Houston, you know, if they're looking to try to, to, to capture lightning in a bottle a second time there uh, with, uh, you know, another type of J.J. Watt player, uh, then you're looking at Aiden Hutchinson as potentially being that guy. Um, George Karloft is there out of Purdue. Uh, you know, those short arms, you know, he wasn't always getting home there at Purdue, but definitely a guy who... Uh, you know, can bend the edge and get to the quarterback in a hurry. He's going to be one of those guys that we're going to be talking about. Jermaine Johnson out of uh, Florida State, 6'5", 262, more explosive, bigger guy, uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on. And then Majai Sanders out of Cincinnati, 6'5", 255. You know, look, the stat line, you're not going to see a ton of a ton of sacks, but you're going to see a lot of pressures, a lot of hurries, guys that are still getting to the quarterback, affecting the play. And I'll leave you with this on the defensive ends. We talk about Aiden Hutchinson. 15 quarterback pressures in that game. So even though he had the three sacks, those 15 QB pressures, he's affecting the game. And when you talk about guys that you're going to draft in the first round, really in the top five, you're talking about guys that you have to know where, where they are on the field at any given time because they are that disruptive and you have to game plan against them. Aiden Hutchinson, he dominated that game against Ohio State. But look, he's been doing it all season long. Go back and watch the film. It wasn't just one game. Aiden Hutchinson is a real deal. Defensive tackles. You know, I think DeMarvin Leal, you know, he's 6'4", 290. Um, you know, he's been lining up on the outside quite a bit. Uh, I think ultimately his home is going to be on the inside, be an interior rusher, a uh, guy that can get up the field. Um, can he add a little bit of weight to him, you know, get over that 300-pound mark and still be explosive? I think that's the biggest question for him. But uh, I definitely think he's a guy that can come off the board in the first 15, 16 picks. Uh, Jordan Davis, good lord, 6'6", 340 pounds out of Georgia. Um, you know, here's another guy who uh, you know, is getting Heisman buzz um, because of his ability to, to really affect each and every play. You know, he, he's so massive on the interior there. I mean, you look at number 99, he just engulfs that, that entire line. And what's amazing is, is you see the power, you know, obviously with a guy his size, that power driving a guy off the football, using his hands, but it's the athleticism, it's the ability to, to make plays in the backfield, chasing down running backs, chasing down quarterbacks. Um, you know, but the thing with it is, is he does come off the field quite a bit, so he's not always in on some of the passing downs. And that's really the biggest concern that you have is, you know, especially with the weight and everything, is he going to be a guy that you're going to have on the field for three downs uh, over and over again? Uh, and that's really the, the biggest concern that I think anybody's going to have. You look at what Dontari Poe was able to do there um, when he came off the board at number 11. I think that's really where Jordan Davis's ceiling is going to be. He's not going to be a top 10 pick, but I think, you know, he's not getting past uh, number 20 overall. And, uh, you know, could he come off the board at number 11? Sure. Could he come off the board at number 19 or number 20? Absolutely. Um, but when you watch a big guy run, and I'm expecting him to run really well, um, you know, I, I have this feeling that you know his draft stock is just going to continue to climb uh, as we get further into this draft process. Um, after that, you know, Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama, you know, 6'4", 312, the veteran there for, for Bama, and you, know, you, you turn on the film and you watch, you know, watching that uh, defensive line, and 48 just continues to flash. 
Um, you know, definitely explosive, a guy that likes to get down the field in a hurry. Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma is another guy to keep an eye out for. When he is on and when he wants to play, this dude, he's so quick getting into the backfield. He jumped off offsides, I think, four times against Oklahoma State. But you know, this was a guy that for a while, you know, for a time in that game, he was so uh, so unblockable. He was firing off uh, off the ball, using that speed to power, driving guys, driving his man into the backfield, and ultimately tackled not only his man but also the running back, and ultimately caused a fumble uh, on that play. Just absolutely explosive. Um, you see him shooting gaps as well, using that speed to affect you know affect the play both against the run and the pass. It's just the consistency, but the, the, the traits are absolutely there. And then Haskell Garrett, another guy who's very physical at the point of attack, uh, but also has that quickness, likes to shoot gaps, get into the backfield. Um, I think those guys all are, are going to be uh, in consideration there in round number two. Now, when we talk about the outside linebacker position, uh, I think a lot of people have, have varying uh, opinions there uh, about your outside linebackers. I think Kingsley and Igbari, uh, JJ, uh, as he's known, 6'4", 270 pounds. He's definitely a guy to, to be excited about. Um, I think the, the traits that you talk about, they're absolutely there. Um, you know, a guy who's relentless coming off the edge, a guy who can bend for a guy his size. Um, I like his physicality as well. Will McDonald, the fourth. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 245 pounds, registered junior there out of Iowa State, um, is a guy, you know, he's another guy who wins with his hands, uh, very physical with those hands, um, and a variety of pass rush moves. Um, you'll see the, you know, two-hand swipe, you'll see the rip, um, does whatever he can to get those offensive linemen's hands, you know, he'll, he'll chop down on those hands and then be able to bend around the edge, um, you know. You're looking at a guy who, in the last two seasons, racked up 22 sacks and uh, 26 tackles for loss. Uh, the biggest concern that I have with him is whether or not he you know, can be a, a factor in the running game you know, and be a consistent factor in the running game. Uh, but you know, definitely a nose for the football. Look, you know, seven uh, forced fumbles in those two seasons and three pass breakups. Um, he's one of those guys that I think as people continue to study his film, uh, if he does decide to come out, he's somebody who I think could be a sneaky, uh, you know, sneaky guy to slide into round number one. Um, Drake Jackson out of USC. Look, you know, uh, Todd Orlando's defense um, really kind of didn't really utilize him the way that you'd like to see. Look, 6'4", 250 pounds, and, and the junior, he was asked to drop um, way too often. You know, although um, you did get to see him um, in, in their first game against San Jose State. Um, you know, he, he gets into the passing lane, was able to bend back and, and ultimately make a play on the football and, and pick off a pass. Um, you know, just uh, 25 tackles for loss and 12, 12 and a half sacks. You're expecting to see more explosiveness from him um, coming off the edge this year, but you know, it's really because he wasn't always asked to, to be that pass rusher. When, he would, when Dante Williams took over as the head coach, after Clay Helton was fired. The first thing you started seeing him do more often was come off the edge, bend around, and when you saw that, you saw the explosiveness. You saw that quick get off. You saw his ability to use his hands. It's one of the things that USC uh, defensive linemen and edge rushers, they, they work their hands really well. And then flattening out to the quarterback and making a pre his presence felt in the backfield. So even though the production wasn't necessarily there, you know the other thing that you worry about, he battles some injuries you know, during his time there at USC, but uh, the traits are absolutely there to be a first-round pick. And he's a guy that you know you could definitely get excited about. 
Um, you know, there's one guy that I did leave out up on the defensive line, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him because he's a guy who I think could end up making his way into the top ten, and that's Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Look, you know, turn on the film of Georgia, and we're talking about number 99, but number 44 is pretty darn good himself. 6'5", 275 pounds. This is a dude, you know, he does a great job stacking and shedding the tackle and uh, dropping running backs in, in the backfield. Um, just his ability to bend coming off the edge, the physicality with which he plays. You watch the the bull rush. If you turn on a Missouri game, uh, bull rush on the left guard, gets his hands into the chest of the guard, drives him all the way back, dumps him, comes off that block, and ends up getting a sack of, of uh, I believe it was uh, Basilak was, was the quarterback in that game. And... Uh, you know, just so physical with his hands. Um, he's a big, uh, not only a big physical presence, but a, a dude who, who does a really good job bending, um, coming off the edge. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really impressive, you watched him in that Auburn game. It was a third down play. Bowden Nix running to the perimeter on the right side on a rollout. Um, Walker able to get outside the blockers, comes downhill, couldn't drop Nix, wound up throwing the football away. But what you watched there was his ability, that athleticism to get outside and affect the passer who was out on the run. Um, you know, and he, he's able to play the, the defensive end. He's able to move inside as a three technique. Um, you know, the versatility that you saw with him. Um, he's another guy to me um, that's going to be a first rounder. The question is, is just how high is his draft stock going to move? He can end up moving his way into the top 10 when it's all said and done. Uh, inside linebackers now, uh, Nicobe Dean and uh, Devin Lloyd, they're going to be competing to be that number one linebacker taken in, uh, in this draft. Uh, Nicobe Dean's the best blitzer in this draft, bar none, six foot, 225 pounds, little undersized, will struggle to get off blocks at times, uh, but a guy who plays sideline to sideline, does a great job coming off the edge, times his blitz as well, coming downhill as well. Devin Lloyd, though, he's 6'3", 235 pounds, a guy who is really explosive, and I'll tell you what, keep an eye on him because if he runs a, you know, that 40 time, you know, if he can end up getting into that 4-5 range, uh, then you're talking about a guy with his size, you know, he'll end up creeping up even higher into, into that draft. Is he going to be a top 10 pick? You know, I, I don't quite see that, but I definitely think he's going to come off the board anywhere between 11 and 20. Um, and it really just depends on, on uh, you know, just how quick he's running. But look, 245 tackles on the year, 43 tackles for loss. So he's getting into the backfield, 22 tackles for loss. Uh, in 2021 with 100 tackles, seven sacks on the year as well, three interceptions, six pass breakups, and a partridge in a pear tree. This dude does it all. Um, you know, it, 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 it's really impressive to watch Devin Lloyd work. You know, he, he, he does a great job working through, uh, through traffic, gets off blocks, uses his length to his advantage, um, uses uh, the speed coming off the edge. You know, he, he actually put his hand in the ground and was an edge rusher coming off the edge and showed his ability to bend and get after the quarterback. Um, you know, the, the, his ability to drop into coverage. I mean, he does actually a pretty good job in his back pedal, stays low, and then you see that transition. Real, no real wasted movement. Trusts his eyes really well. Um, he will get a little bit overly aggressive at times. But man, this is a guy you're going to see him scrape over the top on run plays and come downhill and drop uh, running backs um, on the edge um, and on one play. And then you're going to see him um, you know, drop into coverage and, and pick off the football the next. Uh, really a lot of fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch Utah at all, especially in that Pac-12 championship against Oregon, watch out for number zero. He's going to be all over the field. 
after that, you know, those two guys at the top, Christian Harris out of Alabama, you know, he's kind of had an up and down season to me. You know, I think he's a guy who plays very well, uh, you know, coming straight ahead. Uh, but if you're asking him to, to play laterally, that's where I think he gets himself into trouble. I think he struggles against the pass. You know, I'll, I'll give you a name of, of a guy that I'm really uh, a big fan of, and that's Mike Rose out of Iowa, uh, Iowa State, 6'4", 245. Just a nose for the football, a tackling machine, and uh, you know, battled you know some stinger issues this year, so he wasn't playing up to his normal self. But a guy that just racks up tackles, you know, I think three years over 100, 100 tackles. Uh, he and then Demarvion Overshone. Uh, with Demarvion Overshone, he's more of an undersized linebacker, 6'4", 223, but the athleticism and his ability to do a little bit of everything, kind of like a, a Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. That's kind of who, who I compare him to a little bit. He's kind of a bigger version uh, of JOK, but definitely a guy that can make plays on the outside. And then you have to be excited about this cornerback class, right? You have to be, right? You, know, you have Derek Stingley uh, out of LSU. Everyone knows about this kid. Comes and bursts onto the scene as a true freshman uh, in that national title season there for uh, LSU. And Stingley, that's really where he made a name for himself. 6'1", 195 pounds. Uh, ended up with six interceptions, 15 pass breakups. Uh, you, you watch the physicality, you know, the uh, you know that, that he likes to play with. He'll, he'll like to jam you at the line at times. Uh, the, the effortless with, with the transitions. Uh, a guy who has tremendous ball skills. He's going to attack the football in the air. But the team started started getting smart at times. You know, they, they would look to try to attack his side um, and, and try to, to throw the football at him. And uh, you know, it really didn't work very well. Um, on a lot of those plays, um, you know, he's very fast twitch coming downhill. Um, a guy who makes, you know, breaks on the ball really quickly, gets his hand in, and makes plays on the football. Uh, I, I think if there's really anything that uh, um, he struggles with, it's it's really with that physicality in the in the ground game, you know, and being able to wrap up. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that you saw, uh, especially if you watch that UCLA game. Um, you know, he. he uh, have I think it was Kyle Phillips you know ran a crossing route underneath uh, catch and run to the perimeter got to the to the sideline spun out of uh, Stingley's tackle ended up going into the end zone for a touchdown and uh, you know really just battled that a foot injury that he aggravated um, so really the big question that I have with him is you know teams kind of shied away from him at times and when they did go at him they, they found some success um, but you, you you wonder you know what, what are you really looking at with this guy? Um, is he going to stay healthy you know, at the next level? Um, allowed receptions on only 40% of, the, of, of off targets uh, the last two seasons. So it, it's going to be interesting to see exactly where Derek Stingley comes off the board. I think in terms of the, uh, the traits, the athleticism, the ball skills, uh, the physicality you know, on those routes. He's one of those guys that I think is, is in line for a potential top five pick. Um, you look at, you know, you just worry because you look at, you know, uh, Denzel Ward has battled some injuries. Jeffrey Okuda battled some injuries. And so you see Derek Stingley, he hasn't even played a down in the NFL yet. He's already battled, battling some injuries. So you just, you wonder, um, you know, if he can stay healthy. And if he can, then that's really where you're going to see his game elevate and take things to the next level. That's really what I, I believe with him. Um, Ahmad Gardner, look, Sauce Gardner, he's 6'3", 200 pounds, the junior I love this guy, you know, because you know the the, the long limbs. Um, 
he's so physical. You watch him against SMU, uh, really jamming the receivers off the line. Um, you know, after playing in bump and run coverage, does a good job rerouting the receiver, runs stride for stride with Reggie Roberson all the way across the field. Um, you know, wide receiver sat down as the quarterback was rolling out to the right, positioned himself with outside leverage, making the throw really difficult for the quarterback. Um, you know, and ultimately, the quarterback decided he'd throw the football down the field and it was incomplete. Didn't even want to mess with, uh, with Sauce Gardner at that point. But not only are you going to see him get up on the line of scrimmage, but he's also going to use bail technique so he can keep his eyes on the quarterback, knowing where the football is going to go. And look, if you're staring down your receiver, if you give him any inkling that the ball's coming his way, he's going to drive on the football and he's going to use those long arms to make a play. You know, the, the, the ball skills are ridiculous for this guy as well. And that's really why you know you watch a guy like Kobe, Kobe Bryant had such a big year because teams wanted to throw away from number one. And then they learned that Kobe Bryant is a guy who, who has an outside shot at, at a first-round pick, likely going to be a second-rounder, has incredible length as well, uh, you know, the physicality. You know, these are two guys, when you talk about Cincinnati, you're talking about a, a group of five team. You know, th this is a power five secondary. You know, Brian Cook, the safety, you know, one of your underrated safeties there, uh, another guy who's really a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, they're going to try to find you know, maybe you know, Javon Hicks, maybe they'll find Arquan Bush uh, in that passing game because they want to stay away from these, these Bearcat uh, corners at all costs. Um, so Amon Gardner to me is, is the number two guy, very savvy uh, corner. You know, you'll see him use his hands, you know, he may give a little tug on the jersey, but it's not really anything that's going to impede the, the receiver, just enough to allow him to make up ground. And, uh, and get a hand in to make a play. Very, very savvy uh, corner as well. Uh, the instincts are off the charts. Roger McCreary there for Auburn, six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, a physical lockdown corner there for, for Auburn. He'll be a first rounder. Same with Kair uh, Elam, they're out of Florida. 6'2", 193, tremendous length. A guy that, that uh, can lock down on, on the outside. And Andrew Booth out of Clemson, I think he's uh, number five on my list, six foot, two hundred. Um, another guy, you know, I, I haven't done as much uh, study on the corners um, as I'd like. So, you know, in terms of, of the overall analysis, I know it, it probably sucks in comparison to, to looking at some of the other uh, other positions. Uh, but I really need to get in and, and take a better look at, at these guys and really study, um, you know, not only what they do. Um, in the passing game, you want to see, you know, can they play up on the line of scrimmage? What do they do in off coverage? Can they do both? Um, you know, bail technique. Do they get caught with their eyes in the backfield? Are they susceptible to double moves? How aggressive are they? Can they stay in their in their back pedal? Um, you know, stay low. Can, what about their transitions? Are they stiff in the hips? You know, can they turn and run? You know, those are a lot of things that obviously you're going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, and so I want to do a better job with, with these guys. So the corners, as we go forward, uh, I promise I'll do a better job taking a look at, at the cornerbacks. If we look at the safeties, Kyle Hamilton, you know, we, we know that this guy is a special player, 6'3", 219 pounds. And you look at the junior, you know, you look at Derwin James and what he's meant to the Chargers. And I think Kyle Hamilton is a guy, he's going to be a top 10 pick. You know, he could be a top five pick. You know, I think 91 was the last time we saw a safety come off the board in the top five, but Kyle Hamilton can do it all. 
where this is the guy who's going to play in the box right around the line of scrimmage. The guy who has tremendous range coming over the top. You know, the, the ground that he covers to be able to get from the middle of the field to the sideline, uh, especially to pick off a couple of passes early on in the season, it, it's special. And so, you know, Hamilton, you know, I know he went down to an injury during the season, but uh, he's one of those playmakers that uh, you have to have on your roster. Um, I think number two on the list for me is, is Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, you know, a guy who I think can cover a little bit in the slot. Um, you know, Hamilton can as well. And what's surprising about both of them is you don't really see the, the stiffness in the hips. And I think that's really what you're talking about with safeties. How fluid of an athlete are they going to be? And those are the guys that are going to end up coming off the board earlier. You know, with Brisker, another guy who's very physical in the box, plays well over the top, instinctive, it makes big plays at big moments in the game. Um, you know, Daxon Hill out of Michigan, you know, a guy that lined up in the slot quite a bit. Um, he's another guy who's going to be kind of next on the board. Um, you know, Brandon Joseph out of, out of Northwestern, I think the ball skills are there. I think what you're going to find with him is, you know, he's more of a finesse guy, not really all that physical. Um, you know, Lewis Seen uh, out of Georgia, he's the guy I think that's going to move up draft boards. He's six foot, 195 pounds, the junior. Uh, you see him, you know, he's known for some of the big hits. You know, I think for me, the first thing that I think of with him was the big hit on, on uh, Kyle Pitts that ultimately got, uh, you know, a targeting call that knocked Kyle Pitts out of action for a couple of games. And um, so the physicality's always been there, but, you know, he plays well on the run. And you watch him now, the ball skills are really being developed. He's one of those guys who I think is going to be a high riser in terms of the draft. Uh, and then you look at Jalen Petrie, you know, a, a guy who, God, you know, especially in the zone reads, coming downhill, blowing those up. Um, you know, he, he does a great job just flying downhill into the backfield. He'll get out of control at times, so he is susceptible um, to, to some missed tackles. Both he and uh, you know Jalen uh, Catalan there out of uh, out of Arkansas, you know. Catalan's a little undersized. He's 5'9", 189 pounds. Um, but uh, you know, I think both of those guys are, are names to, to get to know. And then you know, Verone McKinley, they're out of Oregon. 5'11", 194 pounds. You know, I think the ball skills are absolutely there. He gets himself out of position at times, especially uh, in the running game. But but he's definitely a playmaker. He and uh, you know, Michael Wright, uh, the corner, are, are two guys who could come off the board on day two for the Ducks. So those are the guys that I'm looking at and really targeting at the top end of the draft. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the sleepers as we move forward. Uh, I mentioned a few of them. Um, and, and really, you know, you can stay with Cincinnati and just talk about a bunch of those guys. From Darian Beavers there on, uh, at outside linebacker to Kobe Bryant, uh, the corner. Um, but, you know, are they really sleepers at this point? I don't know that they are. You know, I, I think the world is really starting to, to get to know them a lot more and that they are the playmakers um, that we expect them to be. And, uh, you know, there, there are going to be some names. You know, K Kentucky's George, uh, Josh Paschal. Nobody's really talking about him. They've, they've kind of, you know, looked at some of these bigger names. But Paschal's a guy that just, he wreaks havoc and plays in the backfield. Uh, definitely a guy to, to be on the lookout for. Um, so we'll get in and talk about some of these guys uh, as we move forward uh, over the next week. And uh, at that point, we'll be able to then get into bowl season, talk about each and every one of the bowl matchups, talk about some of the guys to really be on the lookout for, um, you know, in terms of the, the the draft process. You know, every bowl game, there's got to be at least one guy that we're targeting 
for the draft, someone that you should be paying attention to. So, hey, you know what? You turn it into a bowl game you know, on, a, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday because you have nothing else to do. You want to watch that bowl game. You know, it may not even be a team that you're interested in. We'll at least have a name or two on each side you know, of the uh, you know, of the field that you'll be able to keep an eye out for that will be making plays and guys that you'll need to know as we get into the pre-draft process, as we watch some of the all-star games, we get into the combine and the individual workouts. You know, these names are going to start swirling. You know, and look, you're going to see two, three hundred guys there at the combine and there are other workouts that are going to be done now. Um, you know, we have the HBCU with their workouts. You know, so there are going to be a lot of different names that are going to be floated around. And uh, as we get into the bowl season, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, each and every bowl game, there's at least one guy, you know, on each team that you should be looking out for. So we'll make sure that we bring that to you as well. Um, so I think it's time to go ahead and bring this podcast to an end. It's been great bringing some content to you. I've got plenty more in store for the weeks and months ahead. Stay tuned and uh, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. What's going to happen next in this coaching carousel, this whole crazy college football scene? I'm sure next week there will probably be a couple more moves that uh, we'll be talking about as well. So take care, everyone. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the uh, conference championships, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here. 